connected with Larry and Glenn, and, and we'll get you part of that. So today, we're going to dig in uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to look at a mother and grandmother who just really affected the life of their son and grandson. And they did this by spending time with him and by modeling some, some real sincere spirituality. So over 100 years ago, uh, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed that the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. And after that, all Hallmark went crazy on all holidays after that. But here's the thing, and I want to make sure that I get this through to you today. Hey, guess what? Mothers, happy Mother's Day. We have muffins outside up for you. It's, it's muffins with moms, and all of you moms went, I don't need a muffin, thank you. <laughs> Do me a favor, take a couple of muffins home for the rest of your family, okay? Because we want to make sure that those are all gone. But, you know, it shouldn't be one day. Please remember that. Don't let just today be the day that you celebrate your mom. Don't let today be the day that you buy her flowers and you take her out to eat and you say, oh, prop your feet up, mom. Do that all the time. Make sure you let your moms know just how much you love them. In a popular poem written almost 150 years ago, it contains this line, the hand that rocks the cradle is the, one, is the hand that rules the world. Actually, the hand that rocks the cradle is attached to a mother that just isn't getting enough sleep, Right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. But today, we want to honor our moms. We applaud not only their efforts, but who you are as well. Having said all of that, I know some of you are already tuning out. Some of you are already like, oh, I'm going to click off online because Travis is going to just talk to the moms. Nope, I'm talking to everybody today. I, I want to make sure that you really dig in and you listen. Because this message is for everyone. But for some of you, you're like, well, I'm going to tune out because my mom's no longer with us. Well, I'm going to tune out because um, I've had a rough relationship with my mom. I don't like all of those syrupy sentiments that Hallmark cards put out, so I'm going I'm to check out. Well, my mom's very sick, and I don't know how much longer she's going to be with me, so I'm going to check out. A number of you have experienced the devastating loss of a child You've had a miscarriage, and it's extremely hard. For some of you, your moms, and you want to check out because you have a prodigal son or daughter, and you really don't know what hope is there. Many moms are gripped with fear. They're swimming in all of the emotions because they think that they're just not doing a good enough job. I'll never forget, I was out of the house. I think I was even out of college and my mom, she called me and she says, Travis, did I do a good job? I said, no, not really. I, I didn't say that, I promise. I didn't say that. Mom, if you're listening, I didn't say that and you know it. No. See, yeah, mom, you did. But I look at the faces of many moms on many different occasions and they just feel like they're not doing a good enough job. Well, here's the thing. And I want to make sure that you really understand this. You don't have to be awesome. God's awesome. All he asks you to do is be faithful. And, and that's what we are called to do. All of us are called to just be faithful. God's awesome. So all he calls us to do 
is to be faithful to him, be obedient to him. That's what we want to do. So regardless of, of what kinds of feelings you're having, and, and I know that COVID has been extremely hard on many moms and, and many families, and, and it's been extremely hard, and two million, they're, they're estimating two million moms have dropped out of the workforce because of COVID so they could stay home with their children and help them with school and, and all of that. But today I want us to discover truth which will apply to each of us individually as well. So please make sure that you don't tune out, that you dig in. I want to share a scripture. It comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. There we read, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Now, I want us to know the, the sweet shepherd as he leads us. As, as we lead those little limb, lambs, moms, you matter. And please make sure that you never forget that. Now, dads, I want to make sure that I point this out to you. There's not going to be a lot of dad talk today. In another month, you get a day. And you're not going to get muffins, I'm just going to tell you. Because dads never get that, right? Yeah. But moms matter. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, this is what we read. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your mother, or your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you also. So this mother-daughter team took their role very seriously. Paul gave a public shout-out to these missional mothers. He wanted to uplift them as shining examples for us, even 2,000 years later, to be able to read. So before we unpack this text, let's consider the context here. So the Apostle Paul, he is the one, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. And uh, he wrote this letter to Timothy. Now, now most of the time, um, when, when Paul would write, he would write to an entire church. But, but Timothy, he's left behind, and, and he's not seen him for several years. The Apostle Paul has left Timothy in charge in a church that was struggling in Ephesus. And so he writes to Timothy specifically, and he wants to uplift Timothy a lot. Now, so let's consider the introduction found in verses 1 through 2. We read there, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. Now, again, most of Paul's letters were written to groups of Christians in an entire church, but here he singles out who? His beloved child. Timothy's name name means honoring God, and beloved means that he is dearly and highly valued. So when Paul talks to Timothy, he's not his own child, but he sees him as such. And he is uplifting him, and he really wants him to understand this. Even though Timothy was not his physical child, he had become like a spiritual son to him. He even writes, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. We read, that is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. So after greeting with grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ the Jesus our Lord, Paul becomes quite personal in his feelings that leads him to pray tirelessly for Pastor Tim. Look at verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. That means a lot to be thought of, right? 
It means even more when someone tells you that you're thought of, right? I, I mean, that means a lot. And, and so these words, I'm sure when Timothy read these, they hit him right here. And I'm going to encourage you to your moms. Well, she knows I love her. Tell her. Pick up the phone. Send her an email. Send her a text. Send her uh, an emoji of something. I don't know. Call her. Go see her. Let her know you're thinking of her. Let her know that she's being thought of. Now, now I don't know about you, but um, you know, I, I know a lot of people, and I saw this all over social media, that you know, COVID, again, it was extremely hard. And because it was extremely hard, there were many birthdays that uh, people didn't get to have true parties. And because they didn't get to have the parties, people would go by their house and they would honk their horns, right? And they would, they would stand outside and they would wave for the birthday procession. And that was awesome for them. Well, that's exactly what was happening in this case right here. Paul is honking his horn at Timothy. He's letting him know that he is cared for and that he is loved. When we come to verse 4, we see this triggered a tender memory for Paul. It says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. It's been 10 to 11 years since Paul has seen Timothy. Paul's at the end of, of his life. He's in prison. He's going to be put to death. And Paul is reflecting and he's looking back on those really encouraging times in his life. And he says, I long to see you that I would be filled with joy. The apostle, felt, apostle Paul felt like this when he wrote uh, to the believers in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we read this. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, for you are our glory and joy. Paul was longing for the day that they could gather again and come back together again. And I'll tell you, I'm excited to, to see everyone coming back together, coming into church and, and talking about, hey, I'm going to be coming back to church really soon and I, I can't wait to get involved and I can't wait to start serving again. I have the same longing that Paul has to see you face to face, to be with one another. I look forward each Sunday to seeing you. Let me tell you, during COVID, it was hard. I, I preached to the back of my camera for several weeks. At least Brutus was with me on the back of my camera. I know. Um, I, I had um, somebody brought in a penguin and blew it up, and I got to preach to a penguin. I got to preach to a couple of different, you know, statues in here. But here's the thing. I long to see you. Paul longed to see Timothy. And, and I just want to make sure that as we, as we get through this message, as we're, we're going to really dig into verse 5 here again, that, that we remember that we need to be connected with one another. Paul's love for Christ and for the followers of Christ was, was palpable. To the church in, in Philippi, he wrote this. First, uh, in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the, the affection of Christ Jesus. He yearned to see 
his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's very important for all of us to know that we need to long to be together. As Paul writes these words from his prison cell, he remembers where Timothy's sincere faith had its roots. His mind immediately fills with memories of two missional moms, Timothy's mom Eunice and uh, Eunice's mom Lois. As Paul reminisces about these relationships, he recalls Eunice being raised in a religious home. She was greatly impacted by her mother and how both of these moms had such an impact on this young man named Timothy. They, they lived in a place called Lystra, and Lystra was a pagan place. It was constantly filled with idols all around them. In, in Acts chapter 16, verse 1 it, we're told that Eunice was raised in the Jewish faith and had recently become a Christian. These new believers, in turn, focused on teaching Timothy. They lived in a pagan place, but the message came in. And because that message had come in to the Jewish faith, they were able to know the Scriptures and then raise Timothy in, in such a way. Now, we don't know much about Timothy's dad. Incidentally, uh, I'm not suggesting that dads don't matter. As I said, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about following the path of a godly father. And we're going to dig into that. But in this moment, we're not told much about Timothy's dad. We don't know where he's at. In this whole situation, we don't know where Timothy's dad is. What we know that they lived in a pagan place. We know that he was not a Christian. But beyond that, we don't know any more about him. But again, let's go to verse 5 again. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Now, again, that word sincere that we read, it means genuine, without hypocrisy or pretense. Timothy's face was not a false facade. He was the real deal. Timothy was the real deal. He had the faith from the beginning. As Paul was reminded of Timothy's sincere spirituality, he, he recalls the, the godliness of his grandmother Lois. While tracing his family tree, he uses the phrase, a faith that dwelt. Now the word dwelt here means to inhabit, to take up residence, to be at home with. You see, Lois then passed on a legacy of faith to her daughter Eunice. And then Eunice passed that faith on to Timothy. We read in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Paul was convinced that Timothy's faith, his commitment, is traced directly to his mother and his grandmother. They were integral parts in his life. So, so how do we break this down? Well, I have four principles that, that come from this passage the first principle that I see here is focus on your family first. Grandmother pointed her daughter to Jesus, to the gospel of grace. The daughter then in turn pointed her son to the gospel of grace. And here's the thing, we see this lineage happen, it's the same way in my life. I have a, a mother and I have a grandmother who were very, very important in my life. I have, I have a couple of aunts that have been very, very important in my faith that have been there. I have an aunt who watches religiously every single Sunday. And then she lets me know if, if I've messed up at, at all during my messages. 
I love you, Aunt, Aunt Linda. I'm sorry. She, she's my favorite aunt. Don't tell any of my other aunts. <laughs> she always would write in, in, in our cards that she would send us. She would always write, your favorite aunt. Just don't tell anyone. Yeah. Sorry, I just told the whole world. Um, you see, mothers, if you're going to live it out, you must pass it on. Moms, that's what you have been called to do. One Jewish proverb says, one mother achieves more than a hundred teachers. Faith is both taught and caught. We also need to remember that. This faith, faith dwelt in grandmother. Faith dwelt in mother. And what does Paul say about Timothy? I am sure dwells in you. Very, very important that we see that. People may listen to our words, but they also want to see our actions. They want to see that both of them are working together. Faith and doing working together. And that's what we see in these missional moms. Number three, there are no perfect moms. You there are no perfect moms. You can try, but you will fail. And that's okay. Because there's only one perfect person. And it's the blood of Jesus, and he saves all of us. So what do we do? We live faithfully. God's awesome. We just live it out. And that's what we always have to remember. And, and, and even in less than ideal situation, you can make an eternal impact. No matter what your situation is right now, you can make an impact. Please make sure you understand that. Whether you're a single mom whether your husband is right by your side, you can make an impact. But you may not have the best ideal situation. You may say, well, I can't provide everything that I want for my kids. There's a difference between want and need. Okay? I always wanted to have those Reebok pumps. Yeah, I wanted Reebok pumps. Like I, That was something as a kid I wanted really, 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 really bad. Well, I didn't get the Reebok pumps. I didn't get the, the Nike pumps. I got the off-brand pumps that when you pumped it too many times, they exploded. <laughs> Happened. But guess what? My mom made sure that I always had shoes on my feet. My mom made sure that the house was always clean. She always made sure that there was food on the table. She taught me how to make sure that I could cook as well. My grandmother was she helped make this what it is because she was always there for me. Did I always have everything I wanted? No. I didn't get every single gaming system that was out there. I, I had an Atari, uh, what was it, the Atari 2700. For years, I had the Atari 2700, and then I finally got the Nintendo, the original Nintendo that came with Asteroids. And what, No, I got Asteroids and, and Duck Hunt and Mario Brothers. I didn't get all of those other ones. I didn't get the Sega Genesis. I didn't get the Nintendo 64. I didn't get the, the I went all the way until I got to college and I saved up my own money before I, I got the, the Sony PlayStation 1. I always had what I needed. Not always what I wanted. But please make sure that you always remember that. So as we study how Timothy's faith was impacted by his mother and his grandmother, that's what I really want to dig into right now this morning. My mother and my grandmother always made sure I was at church. And it didn't matter 
if I wanted to sleep in or not. And there were plenty of times that I did. And my grandmother would call me if I was, if I was staying at my, my mom and dad's house. My grandma would call me and she would say, we'll be there at 810. I don't feel good this morning. <laughs> we'll see you in a couple of minutes. <laughs> I was up and ready because I didn't have a choice, right? But they were always there to make sure that I had the faith. I'll never forget the reason that I'm able to sit here was because I had a set of grandparents that said, hey, I'm going to make sure you get where you need to be. Yes, Scott, I needed the PlayStation. I love the fact that my messages come up on my phone here. Yes, Scott, I needed a PlayStation, okay? I didn't, but I'll tell you. It was my grandparents, my grandmother, when I said, hey, I want to go to Dallas. We lived in Ohio. I said, I want to go to Dallas, and I want to enter into the preaching competition. And my grandmother said, okay, I'll talk to your grandfather. Now, I'm sure they had conversations behind closed doors. But to me, you know what I heard? Okay, we're going. Talk about making sure my faith was always at the forefront of their minds. And that was so, so vitally important to me. So, so how do we break all this down? How, how do we see how mothers, grandmothers, and, and by proxy all of the other people here, how, how do we have an impact? How do we mentor our young ones? I believe that there are three ways that we can spiritually mentor children. Number one, sow salvation. Sow salvation. Jude 3 says, we are to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Contend for the faith that was delivered to everyone. Where did it go first? It first went to the Gentiles. Like that's, it all came in and went to the Gentiles, or I'm sorry, it all came to the Jews. But with Jesus, and when he died and he resurrected, he told those disciples, take it to everyone. And that's what we read here in Jude 3. It is now for everyone, and so we need to sow that faith. Faith must be delivered to the next generations. When mothers model genuine faith, salvation can be sowed in the soil of their children's souls. And here's the important thing. Timothy had to take grip for it on his own. It was great that they modeled it. It was great that Eunice and Lois modeled this amazing faith. But at the end of the day, what had to happen it had to become a faith that belonged to Timothy. So important. Timothy had to make it his own. Having said all that, some of you are doing the absolute best that you can, and you're like, oh, I've got a prodigal and I don't know what to do. I hurt for you. I really do. But keep the faith. Keep praying for them daily. Because you never know when they may turn back to see you. So let me ask you this simple question. Is your faith real or is it just an act? Answer that question for yourself here this morning. If you want to make an impact, you have to sow salvation. And in order to sow salvation, you have to make sure that your faith is real. Very, very important for us to see. Number two, share the scriptures. Grandma and mom not only sowed salvation, but they also shared the scriptures. 
Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Just a couple of chapters later, this is what we read. Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Jesus Christ. Childhood. Timothy started this very, very early on. Moms, let me help you understand this. It's never too early to start. Moms, it's never too late to start. Some of you are like, oh, it's too late. My children are no longer children and they're grown up. <laughs> don't start. Don't, don't stop now. Not now could be still the perfect opportunity to share the faith. It's never too early. It's never too late. And here's the thing. Scriptures make us wise for salvation. Taking all of these stories and connecting them together, where do all of these stories point? To Christ. Never forget that. Moms, do all you can to sow salvation, share the scriptures, and number three, start serving. Start serving. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, we read there, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew, and his father was a Greek. I see some character qualities in Timothy, and this is really where it all comes down to. We have all been called to start serving. Timothy was raised by his mother and grandmother. They had been serving, but now it was time for Timothy to start serving here, and that's exactly what he did. He took everything that he learned. Timothy, the young man, took everything that he learned from his mother and his grandmother, and then he said, okay, Paul, I'll go with you. Bye, Mom. Bye, Grandma. And he took off, and we see what he was able to do because of that. Two strong character qualities that I believe he truly got from his mother and grandmother. Number one, he was a strong believer He's referred to here as a disciple. A disciple means a learner and a follower. A disciple is one who is serious about Christ. A disciple is one who is serious about knowing the faith. And then lastly, we read here that he had a good reputation. Timothy had a good reputation. We're going to bring all of this together here this morning. And as we do so, what do we see here? He was well spoken of. That, that, that's what we read in, in this scripture. Timothy was well spoken of in his community. He was a young man. He was very young in the faith, yet he was seen as someone who was respectable. He was a solid rock. Why was he this solid rock? Because of his mother and his grandmother. 
who taught him the scriptures. He had the Holy Spirit living inside of him because he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he goes with Paul, and he does some amazing things in ministry. He works with the church in Ephesus. Now here's the thing. For each one of you that are here this morning, God may be calling you to go into the mission field. He may be calling you just to go to the mission field called your workplace. But he has called you to go into the mission field. Where's the mission field? Right outside of these doors and right outside of those other doors. Your mission field is right where you live. You've had the example set before you. Now it's time to live it out. One mother describes an incident that happened between her and one of her young children. It it was a busy day at home. Well, every day is a busy day when you have 10 children and another one on the way. Every day was a bit hectic. But on this particular day, however, the mother says, "I, I was having trouble doing even routine chores, all because of one little boy. He was three at the time. He was on my heels no matter where I went. Whenever I I stopped to do something and and turned around, I I would trip over him. Several times I patiently suggested to go have fun with your brothers and sisters that maybe would help keep him occupied. Wouldn't you like to play on the swing set? I asked again. But he simply smiled and innocent smile said, oh, that's all right, mommy. I'd rather be here with you. Then he continued to bounce happily along behind me wherever I went. After stepping on his toes for the fifth time, I began to lose my patience and insisted that he go outside and play with the other children. He still wouldn't go. When I asked him why he was acting this way, he looked up at me and with the sweet green eyes, he said this. Well, mommy, in Sunday school, my teacher told me to walk in Jesus' footsteps. But I can't see him, so I'm walking in yours. The examples that our mom sets mean the world to us. We are all called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. I know many of you have probably heard footsteps. Um, We've seen the poem that's been written and You know, all of a sudden there was one set of footprints and, oh, that's when I carried you. There's another version called Footsteps with a Twist. And it says that Jesus and the man were walking along and there were two set of footsteps. But then all of a sudden, the footsteps started going zigzag and were going just all over the place. The young man said to Jesus, well, well, Jesus, I understand that there were two footsteps and they were walking side by side because I was walking with you, but then all of a sudden our footsteps just went crazy. What happened? And Jesus says, that's when we were dancing. That's what we've been called to do. Following Jesus' footsteps, but here's the thing. Jesus wants to dance with us because he wants us to be excited about what we have as our mission. Live it out. Moms, grandmas, Ants, live it out. Continue to set the example. Know that you're not going to be perfect. You're going to fail. You're going to fall short. But that's okay because only God's awesome.
calls us to be faithful. And if you're here today and, and you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that you can do that here today. You can accept him as your Lord and Savior. You can come to the back and, and we can talk while we sing a couple more songs. I want you to also know that um, if you just need prayer, if you need someone to talk to, I'll be in the back. Elders will be in the back. We'd love to talk with you. If you want to make Stafford Christian your church, your home, you can come to the back and we can talk about what that means as well. In just a second, I'm going to pray, and we have communion set up on the backs and the sides. And if you haven't gotten that, I encourage you to go ahead and, and go pick that up for your family. I want us to remember what Jesus did for us. He went to the cross to bear our sins, to die for us. Let's pray. Almighty Father, I thank you for today and the opportunity to worship you. I thank you that you have allowed us to come in and to worship you. Father, I thank you for each mother that is here today, the impact that she has had on our lives. Father, there are so many shining examples in the Bible, and, and we could have went through so many of them here today. But Lord, I thank you for writing down the example and really giving a shout out to Timothy's mother and grandmother. And Father, as we take communion, we remember what your son did for us on the cross. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen.